we we talk about that stuff. We talk about the fact that when you go to church, right? Church is a hospital, right? It's not a resort. And we talk about the fact that you can show up even when you're having a bad day, even when things aren't going your way, even when you show up without a smile on your face and life is difficult, right? And then most of the time, we uh, we professionals like myself, we get up here and we act like we never have a bad day. <laughs> and uh, so I got up here today and I'm just going to tell you, I had a rough week. And so you can pray for me. I have them too. And uh, I feel a little distracted today. And as I was standing there listening to Josh sing, which you could just come sing that again and I could just sit down. That'd be fantastic. Uh, just listening to him sing, you know, God, turn it around. Right. All of my hope. I think a lot of times we get our eyes off of the Lord and on to what's happening around us. And we start to believe our own hype, right? Like we start to believe that I have to fix things. I have to do this. I have to turn it around. When that's not actually true. We don't actually believe that. We actually believe that all of our hope is in Jesus. And then we live differently. Right. And so I needed that reminder today. So thank you, Josh, um, for singing that. I also just sitting there recognize that some of you are pretty new to Redeemer City Church. And every now and then I need a reminder of all the things that are happening, not just on Sundays, but through the life of Redeemer City Church. And I think there's a lot of you who don't know all the things that we are connected to. So I want to share those with you. I want to take a little time uh, out of my time and share some of that with you because I don't think you know everything that we're connected to. We talk about V3. We talk about Water's Edge. We talk about these things. Uh, we talk about God's dogs. We talk about a lot of different things, but I don't know if you know just how much there is. So I asked for them to send me uh, some stuff here, and I want to just read to you. All of the things we're connected to. So let's start with, so we are a part of Water's Edge Network, which is a global network of churches. And so there's nine domestic churches and then a bunch of international churches. I want to just read to you where we have sister church locations. And when I say sister church locations, what I'm saying is I know these pastors personally, and I've been to some of their churches, and they are literally my heroes. And every now and then when I get into my own pity party, I have to get this list out and look at who they are and what God's doing in their life. And so we have sister churches that we financially support in Indonesia. Pastor Sandy, you've seen him on screen if you've been here before. In Cambodia, Pastor Pana, one of my favorite people on planet Earth. In the Ukraine, there are, I think, Nine churches just in Ukraine. We support Pastor Peter, and he has discipled and launched like 11 other churches or something, nine or 11 other churches that they support. And so we're a part of supporting them. In Nigeria, Pastor David. In Jamaica, Pastor Corey. In Peru, Pastor Sebastian. We're in Guatemala and Wales. And then we have future opportunities, people asking you for the water's edge. In Germany, Panama, Argentina. And God's doing incredible things around the world. It's unbelievable. Let me just read you some of the stuff. They in Bogor, Indonesia, 
just last week had 473 people show up for church. Let, let me put that in perspective. You can go to jail for believing in Jesus in Bogor, Indonesia. Bogor is one of the most hostile places on earth to be a Christian. And Pastor Sandy's doing incredible stuff. They just moved into a new building. They're, they've been looking for years for a building that would fit them. And it's just incredible. I was, I was listening to him tell us this week that they moved into a new building, which I think we showed pictures of a few, like a month or two ago. Um, but the story behind that is that they've been looking for years and they could never find a building. And then they found a guy who's a Christian who owns property and decided to let them rent the building instead of somebody else. And it's just incredible. So God, God's moving all over the place. And then in Cambodia, which is incredibly Buddhist, and they last week baptized 10 people. So just, I need that sometimes. In Ukraine, they, they are almost at 1,000 people gathering on a Sunday in Kiev, Ukraine. And every Sunday, Pastor Peter said, they hear bombs going, whizzing around them. Can you imagine? And we need, we need those reminders, don't we, that, you know, we are very blessed to be a part of that. But uh, they're doing incredible things. Uh, I think we shared video or pictures a while back in Nigeria, them getting a roof for the first time that we got to be a part of. So God's doing incredible things. God's doing incredible things here. I don't know if you know. We talked last week that our first couple graduates are graduating from Regen. And so that is happening. Satan's tried to get rid of it with a hurricane, but he can't win. All right? And so that's not happening tomorrow. It's going to happen next Monday. And Scott's doing a wonderful job. Can you give Scott a hand? He's doing a great job. He really is. And, uh, and every, every time we have, like, an issue, I'm like, I'm going to call Scott. <laughs> Scott's going to fix it. And uh, Scott's doing an awesome job. And uh, Regen is about to have their first couple graduates, which we're super pumped about. So we'll celebrate that in a couple weeks uh, after they do. And uh, pretty excited about that. We have God's Dogs on Tuesday night. They're doing a whole lot of great stuff. And God's moving there. And all kinds of stuff happening all over the place. B3 is now meeting here on Sunday nights. And that's been a huge blessing to them. And so lots of good things going on. There's a men's group that meets every Saturday morning. The women are meeting every other week. There's a lot of discipleship happening each and every week around the world uh, that you are connected to, whether you will ever set foot in those places or not. So you can be encouraged by that. And uh, I'm really grateful for every single one of you that are a part of it. Amen? So just a quick little update. And that's not even all the things that are happening here at Redeemer City Church. So, a lot of good things, a lot of good things. But let me pray, and then we'll dive into John chapter 14 in part two of what we talked about last week. So let's pray. God, thanks again for your goodness. Thank you for the chance to be a part of what you're doing around the world through your church. God, we recognize that all it takes is a little Google search and zooming out on Google Maps to realize that we are so insignificant that it's a reminder that we need to fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So I pray that you'd help us to do that today. I pray that as we open your word, that you would speak to us. Would you take your word and 
massage it into our bones today? Would we believe it more than we believe our feelings? We love you. It's in the strong name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Last week we talked about sin. Super fun, wasn't it? And uh, every, every single one of us struggles with sin. I want to put a quote up on the board as we get started from N.T. Wright. He said these words. He said, the root of all sin, all human sin, is idolatry. I just want to leave that up there for a minute. The root, that would be a good thing to write down actually. Because I think it's true. The root of all human sin is idolatry. And I preached at length last week about shifting our disdain for the sins of others to a disdain for my own sin. Is it not, and you feel free to amen this in church today, is it not easier to see the sins of someone else than it is to see my own? A few of them went, mm. <laughs> I've received that. Yeah, it is. It, it's Why does Scripture say do all things? Right, We've been hammering on this. These words in Scripture, like all. Do all things without murmuring or complaining. Like who does that? Who even can attain that? <laughs> I didn't can attain that this week. Right? I didn't attain that this morning. But that's the call, right? Do all things without murmuring or complaining. Right? Pastor Tim, again, don't take his cooking advice. We want you to get your own recipes. Cook your own noodles. Right? He didn't even tell you to boil the noodles. I mean, come on. You've got to boil the noodles before they go in the pan and get set at 350. I mean, you had one job in announcements today. All right? <laughs> Not to give cooking advice. But here we are. He encouraged us to love our neighbor, right? To love our neighbor as ourself. What's the implication? I love myself. It's critical to wrap our minds around sin. Sin is an archery term. Sin is missing the mark. It's missing what you were made for. It's missing the point. If the target is Jesus, we're not on the target <laughs> until Jesus. Right? That is the gospel. That is the point. It's critical to wrap our minds around sin, around brokenness, to understand that things are not as they should be. From the moment humanity stepped foot on the earth, created by God in His image, in the garden, we were in need of rescue. And you and I still are. The gospel is not a message for those who need to be saved. It's for those who need to be saved. And then it's a message for those of us that are saved. Right? That's what Scripture says. Just as you receive Christ, continue to walk in Christ. Right? But for some reason we think we graduate from the gospel that I today need good news in my life. It's a central message to the theme of Scripture, but we need to go further with it. A sermon on sin like Last week need not drive us to depression, need not drive us to disdain. In fact, it was supposed to, the scriptures designed to drive you to repentance, right? There's a difference. Repentance is not a scary word. Repentance just simply means to turn around and go a different direction, right? It's to turn from what 
we want and what we are doing and to realign with God. Super important. N.T. Wright goes a little bit farther. Let me put this on the screen for you. He says that sin matters desperately, not because you morally failed, but because it's a failure of vocation. Instead, what is, what is vocation? What's a failure of vocation? It means you stop doing what you were made for. Right? It's where we get sin and freedom and all these things mixed up, thinking I, can, I ought to be able to do whatever I want. Well, no. You were made for a purpose. You were made in the image of God and you're to reflect His likeness in the earth. That is the point. And so whether you do that as a doctor or a nurse or a teacher or a college student or a high school student or a pastor or a city group leader or in region or at Tuesday night at God's house, whatever the case is, you are reflecting God's image. So he says this, it's instead of projecting God's image into creation and his love and care and order, we project the dark powers of whatever idols we are worshiping at any given time. Woo! What are we worshiping? Here lies the reason that sin is so devastating. It isn't about making you feel bad or to remind you over and over of your moral failure. That's what Satan does. You're useless. God can't use you. That person isn't doing what they're supposed to. What are they doing? What? Not the point. Sin is just missing that mark of what you were made for. And the reason it's critical is because there's no peace there. There's no human flourishing there. there there's no John 17, which I keep referencing and we will get to in a couple of weeks. Right? How will the world know that we are different. Scripture says Jesus prayed by our love for one another. Why is that so hard then? Because Satan knows that too. And so, thanks be to God that the gospel is good news, right? Thanks be to God that Colossians chapter 2 is in the Bible. Look at this. Having been buried with him in baptism, why should you get baptized on the 17th? Because you're identifying with Christ. It's his movement in your life that he rescued you when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, right? Buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. We talk about this in Growth Track. I want to be wherever God says he'll participate with me. I want to take communion as often as possible because God says he'll be there. If I'm not baptized, I want to get baptized because God says he'll be there. The powerful working of God. Who raised Jesus from the dead. Put me there. <laughs> Take me to that place. And you, you put your name there. And Mitch, who was dead in his trespasses and the uncircumcision of his flesh. Listen to this. We talk about there's things happening that we can't see. There's an unseen realm to this. There's a spiritual movement to this. Look at what it says. God made alive together with him having what? forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands how did he do that? this he set aside nailing it to the cross it's at the cross that he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame 
by triumphing over them in Jesus. Can I get an amen in church? Come on, somebody. Regardless of your sin, past, present, future, that darkness is disarmed. And the ruler put to open shame. Why can we sing, all of my hope is in Jesus today? That's why. And let me just tell you, you can think I'm crazy. I think that's real. Why can you, why does the scripture say, how beautiful are the feet that bring good news? Why does Paul say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. And sometimes we lose that. We've been doing this for so long, we start, what's he doing that for? And that carpet is so ugly. You know, like, there's a stain on that wall. Right? It leaves. I keep going, but you don't need me to. You get the point. Right? Start doing what church people do. <laughs> when in reality, we've been made alive with God. Who cares what the carpet looks like? Now listen, we're still going to finish downstairs. Don't get me wrong. I'm not setting you up for a, it's not going to happen. No, we're going to finish it because we want bathrooms. Amen. <laughs> Should be done by the end of October. Thank you. Thank you. That was for me. Selfish, I know. I'm working on it. The devil's been put to open shame. There is zero need or reason for you to be ashamed of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Whether you walk into a business office tomorrow, whether you walk onto a college campus tomorrow, whether you walk into a public school tomorrow, whether you are a teacher, whether you are a police officer, it doesn't matter where you go or what you do. You have been made alive with God. That's let that just take your breath away again. So the question for our text today in John 14, and on the heels of last week, talking about sin, asking the question, am I actually more tolerant than God of my own sin? Not just the sins of others. How do I live that kind of victory as a follower of Jesus? Because what I'm guessing is that you walked in here today and there's some area of your life that you don't have victory in. Or somebody you love doesn't have victory in. And the question is, if Colossians 2 is real, what does that look like in everyday life? Obedience is a factor in following Jesus. Obedience to me was a dirty word for a long time because it felt like it was antithetical to the gospel. But the reality is, is there's a formula to this. There, there's a way that obedience matters and it doesn't come first. I think that is the key part that we have to wrap our heads around. God moves and then because I love God, I want to obey. The difference my kids obey me, not because I yell at them to obey me. No, they might because they're little. A little bit. I'm working on that too. But they love me. You know, like, as much as I loved shaking all of your hands, the fact that my two kids ran to me 
and gave me a hug because they had the opportunity is awesome. My middle schooler, he loves me too. He's just in middle school. Love you. Now he's mortified. The astonishing formula of faith is if you love me, then you'll keep my commands. And a lot of times we read that and we're like, love me and keep my commands. That's not what the inflection of the text is. Look at this in John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. Listen to what Jesus says. Now remember, this is on the heels of last week. This is on the heels of believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe in the works themselves. The implication is that there's people that don't believe that. Jesus is telling them that they can't go, go where he's going. But then he says this. He says, if you love me, keep, you will keep my commandments. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say, keep my commandments if you love me. There's a difference. He's saying, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. It's a totally different take on that. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you for how long? Forever. God's going to give you a helper. When is the last time you did life with the Holy Spirit? In our context and culture, the Holy Spirit is forgotten most of the time. He's forgotten because we actually can do quite a bit. We actually do have a lot of talent, ability, economic prowess, whatever the case may be. We actually are capable of functioning in a lot of ways and areas on our own. But that's pretty dangerous to the follower of Jesus. Because we can lull ourselves into believing that that's the way life ought to be. When in fact what the scripture says over and over and over again is that you need Jesus and you need other people. But I'm pretty convinced that we don't actually Believe that. What do I say to that? We, we know that. We know that in our minds, don't we? But what is it? What does Acts say the early church devoted themselves to? The apostles' teaching, the fellowship of the saints, the breaking of bread, communion, and prayer. We get wrapped up in a lot of other stuff. When those are the four things that the church was called to. Pretty important. Because here's what he says. I'm going to send you a helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. right? We talked about that a few weeks ago. There is a truth. Even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I love this next statement. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Why are we so passionate about Make Your Mark in Ethiopia? That's why. Why is the Kuhn family passionate about adoption? That's why. Because I was an orphan until Jesus rescued me. You are an orphan until Jesus rescues you. And then you are adopted into the family of God, Romans tells us. 
powerful. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. That's the way we figure out who loves the Lord. If you're willing to obey. (laughs) And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Even the Baptists will manifest himself even to the Baptists. (laughs) Some of you are laughing because you grew up Baptist. (laughs) That's taboo. It's charismatic. (laughs) Except that it's in the Bible, right? Amen? What does that look like? How do I get some of that? God's saying, I'll be with you. I'll show myself to you. You'll know me. He said earlier in John, my sheep hear my voice and they, what? Know me. And I know them. Judas, don't you love this? Don't don't tell me the Bible's boring. Judas, men in parentheses, not Iscariot. How about having that name? How about being this Judas from now on? Not me. Except this Judas had a question too. Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Has the Lord made his home with you? What an awesome thing. Has the Lord, the makers of heaven and earth, made his home with you? Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Whoa. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That's what true peace looks like, by the way. Why can I say that? Peace I leave with you. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit and peace is what I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You ever laid awake at night with a troubled heart? Yeah. Jesus is offering you a completely different way of life. You heard me say, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it takes place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on you. That's the devil. But I do as the Father has commanded me. So that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. What an awesome passage of Scripture. What an awesome thing that we're invited to be a part of. The astonishing formula of faith is, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Often we live, I have to obey so that God will love me. That's not what it says. 
We love because He first loved us. I love this. It's not love me. It's I already love you. And if you love me, you'll keep my commands. In theological terms, we call this coming that Jesus did when He came to the garden. That He did when He came to earth as a baby. As He will come again in the last days, right? That's called incarnation. It's the coming of Jesus to earth. And I love how one pastor and writer said it this way. It'll be on the screen for you. About what does the incarnation do? What's the incarnation prove? Here's what he said. The incarnation proves that God moves in. Not because we are good, but because we are bad. It is our sin that summons God's grace. And it's in our sin that God proves again and again and again that He will not fail. Have you ever had another human fail? Yeah, we all have. God won't fail. You see, the promise in John 14 is that we are not alone. God comes to us We are created for Him and by Him and we will be sustained in Him. We will not be left as orphans, but the Holy Spirit will come and help us and teach us and bring us peace. Peace doesn't come through attaining perfection. Peace comes through the person and the work of Jesus. He came to earth to live with us, die for us, and then rise from death in the resurrection to secure that victory for us, which in turn delivers peace to us in the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. Verse 27 again. Peace I leave you. Peace. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so as we tie those things here, I want to read to you an excerpt from a guy named Polycarp. Polycarp was a disciple of John. So the John that was a disciple of Jesus who wrote this text had an apprentice under him who was studying. That guy. We have some of his writings. And Polycarp would have been a little kid when Jesus was walking around on earth. Pretty awesome. And so this isn't scripture, but it's one of the very first beneficiaries of scripture, of John's teaching. And here's what his testimony was about what it looks like to follow Jesus immediately after Jesus. I love this. It'll be on the screen for you so you can follow along. It just ties up what we talked about last week and this week. Here's what he said. He said, For whosoever does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is Antichrist. And whoever does not confess the testimony of the cross is of the devil. And whoever perverts the oracles of the Lord to his own lusts and says that there is neither a resurrection or a judgment, he is the firstborn of Satan. Wherefore, forsaking, here it is, the vanity of many and their false doctrines, let us return to the word which has been handed down to us from the beginning. How do you do that? Watching unto prayer. Persevering in fasting. 
beseeching in our supplications to the all-seeing God, not to lead us into temptation, as the Lord has said, the spirit truly is willing, but the flesh is weak. Why do you need the gospel now as much as you ever have? Because your spirit is willing. But friend, your flesh, my flesh, is We are left with peace. The Greek word for peace is erene, and it reflects the Hebrew word shalom, which I'm sure you've heard of. And shalom means wholeness. And wholeness in this life is only found in Jesus. This is what goes back to what were you made for? What is, to tie it all the way back to the start, what is your vocation as a to reflect the goodness and likeness of God to the world around you. And he's given every single one of you gifts to do that, and you are called to do that. Peace, not as the world gives peace. Peace, listen, listen to these connections here, to what, what, what these people sitting there listening would have known, the disciples, the people around Jesus in that moment. They would have heard the word peace and gone somewhere in their mind. Peace fundamentally characterizes the Messianic kingdom anticipated in the Old Testament that Jesus was ushering in in the New Testament and that we live in now. Here's the connection for those listening. See, what they would have been experiencing was the Pax Romana, right? Roman peace. And Roman peace came through the sword. It came through a devastating sword. Just a couple weeks ago, Ken and I were in the Colosseum, and it's surreal to stand there and think that people gave their life there because they believed what I believed. That's a wild thing. Roman peace was won and maintained by a brutal sword. And many Jews in that moment thought that their Messiah would come with an even greater sword. In fact, when he was riding in on his donkey, what did they say? Save us now, Hosanna. And then when he didn't, what did they say? Crucify him. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. Instead, the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, secured it through suffering and dying, becoming the sacrificial lamb of God, and then resurrecting to what the scriptures call new life. When you get baptized on September 17th, we will put you under the water, bury him in baptism. And we will say when you come out of the water, raised to walk in newness of life. And that's why. Friends, there is a new way of life and it is not the way of the world. You will be unsatisfied, unhappy, and not at peace if you follow the ways of the world. Return to Jesus, as Polycarp said, and live. That's what life looks like. We can do that in one of a few practical ways today. We're kicking off 21 days of prayer. This Wednesday, we're going to gather and pray, just like we do every first Wednesday. But I want you to come. I don't know how you can make it here by 6 p.m., but I want you to come if you can. If you can't, I get it. That's life. But if you can, I want you to pray. And if you can't get here at 6 p.m. on Wednesday, I want you to pray. With love for our entire body, 
to be praying at the same time all month long for 21 days in a row. I'd love to encourage you. You can just grab that book and you can be right there with us each and every day. 21 days of prayer. Here's, we want to break chains of old habits and create new holy habits. That's why we do that together. Second, follow the Spirit's movement in your life. The powerful working of the Spirit. If you haven't been baptized, let's get baptized on September 17th. Mark 16, 16 says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. You can sign up at Info Central. I'll reach out to you. I'd love to chat with you about that. Tangible steps to follow Jesus. Number three, rest. Rest in Jesus today. Listen, I don't know about you, but whatever is happening in your life that you feel the need to grab on and control, take a minute, in just a minute, to let that go to Jesus. I've got a few of those right now. And it's really hard to let him go to Jesus. But what does Jesus say? Cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Is there anybody better than your dad to carry the weight of the world? Especially when he's a perfect father. What did Jesus say? I'm going to the father because he's greater than me. Man, if Jesus couldn't wait to get to the father, I can't wait to get to the father. We do that through prayer. I want to invite you to rest because the Advocate, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, the powerful working of God is with you. He's with you right now. And when we participate in worship together, He's present. And He's in you and with you. And so I'm going to ask the band to come back up and I don't know what you had planned, but I'd love for you to sing that song again, if that's okay. If I can be so bold as to change the service order. <laughs> because I think that's what we need. And I just want to invite all of us, as we listen to Josh sing those words again. You know, when, when I hear... That God is doing something, that he's up to something, that he's healing someone, that he's saving someone. I'm tempted to think that's outside of this room, but I'm just so crazy enough to think that that might be inside this room. That God might need to do that in your life today. That God might need to do that in my life today. That you showed up on a holiday weekend to sit under the preaching of God's word because he wanted to move in your life today. Maybe you're watching online and he's moving in your life. Maybe you listen to this later. He's working in your life. We want to be a part of that. Right? You know, there's a temptation in the church world to do a bunch of programming. To have programs for everything. When in reality, you just need to go to your neighbor who's following Jesus and ask him to pray with you. Come up front. Make the dreaded walk up front. And I would love to pray with you. If I don't know you, let's get to know each other. Right? Don't wait for somebody to reach out to you. Go find somebody. I know that's scary and hard. But there are so many people in this room right now that would love to pray with you right now. That would love to be with you. To walk with you. To do what God's called you to do. There's people on September 17th. A whole church of people that want to celebrate with you. 
as you get into the waters, even if you're scared to do it. My uh, seven-year-old wants to get baptized, but she's terrified to get in the water in front of you people. I was like, I know they look scary. Trust me, every week. No, I'm just kidding. But man, what a joy to tell her that every single one of you is pumped up, fired up to see her follow Jesus. Listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus, the Bible literally says that in heaven, the angels start to worship God. They start to have a party when someone crosses the line of faith. When they, the scripture says when they pass from death to life. And that's what I want to be a part of. Why do we do kingdom cards? Why do we put eight slots there and give you things to pray about? Because that's what we're called to. So on your way out, grab a kingdom card. Grab our 21 days of prayer. Let's be about the things that the church is about. If we're busy about kingdom work, we won't have time to complain about things that aren't kingdom work. Amen? So let's be about it. And that starts... Right? So Polycarp called that first group of Christians to return back to those things. Return back to the Word. Petition the Word in the Word. Fasting if necessary. Let's be about the things that God's about. Amen? Come on, let's stand. Let me pray. And then as Josh sings, you do business with the Lord. We can pray with you. Come on up. We'd love to. Pastor Timothy in the back. Grab somebody nearby. We'd love to pray with you today. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the powerful working of your spirit. We praise you. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you that you are God and that we are not. We just declare in this place today that we trust you. We know that you're up to something. We want to be a part of it. God, help us not to get in our own way. Pray that, as your word says, we can cast aside those temptations that so easily hinder us. And we might taste and see that you are good today. Love you, Jesus.